Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for Cover 2 Broncos. Just a couple dudes breaking down scheme, film, and the numbers. Now, your host, Joe Rowles. Welcome back to another episode of Cover 2 Broncos. I am Joe Rowles, and today is a very special episode because I am joined by two of the smartest people I know, Over the Cavs' Nick Corti and PFS Brad Spielberger. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. I am stoked to pick your mind on all things free agency, contracts, everything. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. I think maybe you need to meet some smarter people, at least speaking for myself. But uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. Definitely. Uh, so kind of, kind of to get right to it, I guess, I, I, I don't want to put you on the spot too much. So I want to kind of like for all of our listeners, I want I want you guys to know that, um, basically the, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, guys, uh, the cap is still a little bit of a moving target. Um, it's, we know what the cap ceiling, the lowest cap ceiling can be is my understanding. Um, but with that said, we also know that TV deals are happening. So, my understanding is the cap may end up moving quite a bit. Uh, it could end up influencing decisions this year or the cap being changed going forward because of TV deals might change how teams approach it because of that. So, and I, I say all this just because all the numbers stuff that if, if we talk about numbers and stuff like that, it's a, it's an educated guess. So if a contract ends up being different than what we're talking about here, we're kind of operating in a little bit of a no man's land right now, just because we, we only know so much. Uh, but with that said, the one thing I wanted to kind of ask you guys about right, right off the bat is judging by what over the caps estimate is. And again, if 
Broncos country. If you don't already go to over the cap, I recommend it. But over the cap has the Broncos at a little bit more than 42 million in cap space. And because of that, it looks like they're fifth in the league right now behind the Jaguars, the Jets, the Patriots, and the Colts. It seems like a ton of money. Is it? Um, well, I'll just answer that from the Broncos standpoint, um, just with their, you know, what's coming up with their contracts here is, uh, as, as far as the actual 42 million number goes, that could go quickly. Um, you've got Philip Lindsay, Alexander Johnson, Tim Patrick, they're probably all going to get restricted free agent tenders. That could be up to 10 million if, if they all get second round tenders, then if Justin Simmons gets tagged again, that's another, you know, 13.7 that's eaten up. So right there and then you've already got, you know, more than half of that number gone. Uh, but on the other hand, there's always ways to navigate around the cap to get the players, you, the players you want. And with the declining cap this year, I expect that to be really at an all time high, you know, Heavy signing bonuses, void years to maximize the proration of sorts. I mean, I think almost every team might use that tactic with at least one contract. And really, with respect to Denver, I think the bigger question is not whether they have the cap space, but whether there are any free agents that they feel are worth spending the cash on. I would just say the Broncos did get ahead of some teams. We're starting to see some cats uh, cuts roll in across the league. Um, but they obviously made their two biggest cuts of the offseason already. So that that cap space, yeah, they're they're up there in that upper echelon of cap. You know, below them haven't moved on from big contracts like AJ Bowie and Jarrell Casey in the Broncos case. So yeah, they're definitely in that in that top tier. But you know, they've made their their big cap clearing moves already. And I'd just briefly add to that, and I think Joe would agree with this that. The cuts of A.J. Boye and Jarrell Casey were no surprise, I think. I think yeah. that was going to happen at some point. The only surprise may have been that it happened as quick as it did. I, yeah, I definitely agree. The The only thing I was kind of wondering if they would try and see about, and again, this might have just been a fan type of thought, but maybe trying to squeeze Jarrell Casey to like more, more, more money guaranteed up front to maybe lower his cap number. But if that wasn't possible, it made more sense to cut him than to, to hold on to him at the cap number he had. Yeah, we haven't heard anything as to whether the Broncos, you know, tried to negotiate a pay cut for either of them or not. But considering how quickly they were cut, if there were such negotiations, they must not have lasted long and didn't go anywhere. Um. So with with that in mind, then kind of pivoting to because Nick uh, and again, everyone listening, if you haven't already checked out Nick's like offseason roadmap, I highly recommend it. I've been kind of operating off of it with a lot of my scenarios for mock drafts, mock scenarios, mock off season, stuff like that. Basically since I saw it, um, it's at in thin air. So in dash thin air.com. And it's the Broncos off season roadmap. If you have Google and I, I assume everyone does, uh, I can, you can Google in thin air Broncos and it, it'll come up. So again, go check it out. But I had, I wanted to kind of ask you about a couple parts of it, Nick, because I had questions about it. Um, and then kind of like, when you wrote it compared to like where, what we're kind of hearing now, I just have a couple questions and I think it'd be good to clear up a couple questions for everyone listening. If that's cool. That's cool. Uh, so one of the ones you mentioned is exercising Von Miller's 2020, 2021 option, and then do nothing with this contract until training camp. I actually really agree with this because having come off an injury at his age, 
it it gives the Broncos a chance to kind of see where he's at following the injury. And also, like, if they're trying to work out a long-term extension, it kind of gives them somewhere to negotiate after they see what he's done since the injury. Uh, but with that said, I kind of want to go over the fact, if they decide to cut him, like, they if they turn down the team option, and there's been some talk that that might happen, the Broncos don't receive a compensatory pick for it, right? Right, that's correct. The very existence of that option is a relic of the old CBA in which those declined comp option or the declined options on the contract did allow for comp pick eligibility. And the Broncos were one of the most aggressive teams in demanding those options so that they could smartly work the comp pick formula. Um, but in the new CBA, that loophole is gone. So the only non-formality left with that option is whether they want to guarantee seven million to von miller right now um if they do turn it down uh i and i asked this a couple days ago and no one no one's really like blown back on me with this so i'm i kind of think that if von miller became a free agent even with the injury and his age as far as like the last time we saw him play he would immediately become one of the top free agent edge players on the market right so what would what would it cost to kind of if you if you let him on the market, what kind of contract would he probably be looking at? You think? Well, I think after uh, after we saw what JJ Watt got from the Cardinals, I think that's a pretty not an exact comp, but a pretty good comp. There, he got fifteen point five million APY, and Von Miller's due twenty eight million in cash uh, this season. So, I really don't think it's going to be that far off from what Watt got. Brad, I don't know if you have any further thought on that. Yeah, I would agree. You know, he obviously dealt with the injury in his, his contract year, but has been generally healthier the last, you know, several years. Um, yeah, I think he maybe even comes in a bit above what, a um, bit more of a pure, you know, wide nine so far on the outside edge rusher. Watt has some versatility, can get moved inside a bit. Um, but I think Von Miller, you know, the last couple of years has probably been, a, if not the same, a little bit better, um, you know, than Watt. If, if Vaughn does stay on the 2021 option, let's say the Broncos hold, pick him up, don't extend him as, as you laid out, and let's say he comes back and he looks like 2019 Vaughn or pretty darn close to 2019 Vaughn this season, uh, because he would be an older player, what does a longer-term negotiate, like what does an extension kind of look like? Because a lot of Broncos fans continue to kind of float the idea of restru- like quote-unquote restructuring the contract, which you lay out is not possible on the current deal, and I think that that needs to be said. But if they try and negotiate a long-term extension, most fans hope that it'll lower his cap number. How realistic is that? Well, um, well, so are we talking about um, what they can do now or what they oh, would sorry. do af- after Von Miller has a good if, – if he returns to form in 2021? I would say if he returns to form because I, I think right now – and again, t- tell me if I'm wrong, but like my understanding right now is like because Von Miller was hurt, because right now he's facing a bit of legal questions. And again, like I don't think anybody knows what that really means right now. So I'm not going to speculate on it too much, but I-, I do think it's out there. So we can't, you know, you can't ignore it. But that combined with the injury combined with his age right now, if the Broncos could negotiate a long term extension, they likely could get some money back is my understanding because they have a lot more leverage right now. But if he comes back on the one-year contract, and again, I think that's the right decision because of flexibility. Because if he comes back and he's not Vaughn, it doesn't make sense to extend him. Like, it's a risky proposition. Um, But if he comes back and he's 2019 Vaughn, at that point, you're paying, again, an elite edge player. And yes, he's older, but he's still an elite edge player. So how, 
what what would be like a realistic comparison for like that kind of contract you think well keeping it you know keeping it in the realm of broncos country here i just think of demarcus ware as a comp off the top of my head uh he was 32 when they'd signed him i think miller will be 33 after mm -hmm. 21 and Ware signed a three-year 30 million dollar deal with a little more than half of that fully guaranteed so adjusting for infl inflation you know assuming the pandemic's gone the tv deals are signed um you know, it might not be too far off from what he's getting paid right now, you know, around that 18 million, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, but that's about what I would, that's probably, the DeMarcus Ware comp is probably what comes to my mind. Brad, anyone that comes to your mind? Well, there's one that might be coming down the pike here in the next couple of days. Uh, I just saw that Brendan Graham of the Eagles, uh, they're, work they're working on, it's what sounds like an extension. Um, as we know, as Nick and I know, sometimes reporters' tweets aren't exactly clear what's being worked out. But uh, another guy who's 33, coming off a really good year, um, you know, really good edge rusher. Uh, so I think that could be interesting to see how that one kind of works out. And I guess maybe Justin Houston could be a decent comp as well. Um, right in that same range as Marcus Ware, kind of around that 10 million million per year um, on a shorter term deal. I think Vaughn's probably a bit, a bit above that, you know, like you said, a little bit higher than that. But yeah, I think that that's a fair market to look at. Uh, one of one of the other ones that you touched on, Nick, that I thought is worth talking about again, because we've heard kind of both sides of this right now in local reports. Um, you mentioned that the Broncos should do nothing with Kareem Jackson's contract until training camp, if at all. And again, I think that's the way to go, because if you're trying to win this year, it's going to be hard to replace He's a, per in my opinion, he's a perfect fit in the Vic Fangio defense. So like, that's where I'm at. And unless you think you can negotiate a lower term to stretch, you know, keep him here longer, it doesn't make sense to negotiate the deal. And honestly, I think an extension is kind of risky because of his age. Um, but if the Broncos do decide to cut him, because this is the, like the one kind of devil's advocate side of it, because this safety class is supposed to be so good in both free agency and the draft, do you think it would make sense for the Broncos to possibly cut Jackson loose and then try and maybe see if they can get a lower cap number because he's then negotiating against the fact that the rest of the free agent market is out there? I mean, that might be a tactic. I mean, you know, there's just a lot of uncertainty with that. You know, it only takes one team to just, you know, ruin those plans if you misjudged what the market is. But, um, you know, I think, I, you know, just like I said, it's, it's very similar to Vaughn Miller. You know, he he played well enough. I think, you know, that none of his money is guaranteed. So you could you could have a situation where, you know, let's say um, reminds me a lot when TJ Ward got cut. And I think it was 2017 when Justin Simmons emerged as a starter. You know, they they kept the flexibility of having Ward around. But when it when it proved that, you know, he wasn't he wasn't worth the money when they got in the training camp, then, you know, they just cut him loose there. So, um, you know, but who knows, uh, you know, what their opinion is, you know, we, you know, George Payton is in now um, and uh, he may see someone else, you know, I mean, first name that, you know, comes to your mind would be Anthony Harris who was tagged with the Vikings, but you know, that's just speculation. We'll see what, we'll see what Payton decides. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. 
But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. And then uh, the last one I want to talk about, because this is one that I've kind of had in my mind for a while, is uh, you mentioned that the Broncos could consider looking at Nick Vanette's contract. Um, and one reason I like this is because I have a lot of faith in Albert O to come back. And then Noah Fant's already basically locked in as the number one tight end. So at that point, you're paying your you're paying your t- tight end three a little bit more than $3.5 million in terms of cap this year. And if they cut him, it frees up $2.6 million. Um, I feel like they could find another tight end that could capably fill that role on the market. Is Do you think that's realistic? I, I, I agree with you on that. You know, I think it's clear that uh, Fant and Aquagbunam are the clear one and two. And the other thing to keep in mind is that Shermer uses a lot of 11 personnel, probably to the displeasure of some Broncos fans when, when Aquagbunam broke out, they wanted to get him more in the offense. So um, I think a third tight end may be, end up being more on the luxury. That being said, I don't think there's any rush to part ways with Vanette. I mean, if if you want to, that's fine, but it could be another, you know, situation again where you given one more training camp, see see what his worth is and go from there. Uh so then in the, in this again, but um looking ahead to free agency, this is like my favorite time of year. Just because like hope springs eternal. Like right now the Broncos have cap room. They haven't re-signed anyone yet, so like I don't have to worry about those contracts. So like right now, they just have forty-two million dollars to go sign everybody. Um, and um, but like you, you look ahead. I think to free agency, and personally, and this is kind of like where I fight myself on this. My personal opinion, and I said this last year too, is like the best way to approach free agency is kind of like a trip to the grocery store. Like if you go into it hungry. Odds are you're going to buy something dumb, like you'll buy candy or you'll buy it like fast, like essentially like a microwave thing that you just want right now. Um, and it happens every year. Teams will routinely pay out their nose in the early days of free agency for players that are either coming off career years in hopes that they can replicate it in a new situation, or they'll fool themselves into becoming into thinking that a guy can become like a top tier contributor, even though he never has been before. Um, and I, and I look at like Buffalo, Buffalo last year, a little bit, notwithstanding, just because of the digs trade. But a couple years ago, Buffalo basically just went out and signed a ton of players and then just let them fill out the depth of their team. And and they spent a lot of money, but they didn't spend it all on one player. And I really liked how that worked out for them because I thought it helped their whole team. Um, I think uh, Steve Palazzolo actually talks about this quite a bit at PFF. uh, Creep back to average. And and I really like that idea. Um, Am I right? Am I wrong? Like, what do you guys think? Like, where do you guys land on this? Well, my, I mean, 
I always like the John Elway philosophy of using free agency just to patch some immediate and obvious needs, you know, just get the get the big things out of the way. Um, you know, that doesn't mean that you, you know, go hog wild on that, because as you said, you can get in trouble with that. You know, but if you're able to patch up, you know, those really blatant needs, then it frees you up to pick the best players available in the draft um, so that you're, you know, using those resources wisely. Now, it'll be yet to be determined what philosophy Peyton brings to Denver. Um, but but since he was directly hired by Elway, I'm guessing there's there's a good amount of overlap between the two on how they think. Um you know, you got you always got to do your pro scouting homework, make sure you sign the right players, no matter how much you sign them for. But I mean, I just see free agency as one of your tools in the toolbox. You know, it's it's an important one, just like the rookie classes are, just like the waiver wire is looking at street free agents and all that. So that's that's my philosophy. But there's always uh, more than one way to build a team. My view on free agency is that uh, you should try, if you can, to more approach it as supplementing the roster you already have in place. I agree with Nick. If there's a glaring need, there's no reason to neglect it and, and not, you know, fill fill a hole on the roster. Uh, but I think George Payton, you know, from Minnesota as well, obviously, if he brings that kind of, um, you know, similar approach, is just it just makes signings here and there on depth, and then you know, secondary starters um, for the most part. But as we discussed at the top of the show, and I think is important. Um, again, while being, you know, not not being too aggressive, but the Broncos do have an advantage this offseason over some teams where the top of the market free agents, they might be able to get them for a more realistic and more pragmatic price um, because there could be fewer suitors in the market for certain players or certain positions. So if, if something like that comes available to where a, you know, a really good player is, is available to them and they have the resources to do it, then there's no reason they should shy away from making a splash if it works out. So... The Broncos have a huge need at cornerback, and it looks like this cornerback class could be pretty good. Um, and it also looks like this corner class has quite a few fits for Fangio. What do you think? Well, I'll probably seed to Brad on you know specific names that are out there, but I think the first question to ask from Denver's standpoint is um, how confident they are in what they have right now, now that A.J. Boye is gone. Um, is a starting trio of Bryce Callahan, Michael O.J. Mudia, and Asang Bassey sustainable? Could be, but Bassey's coming off that ACL. You know, O.J. Mudia, he took it. He took his rookie lumps, uh, even though he showed some promise. And I mean, Brad, you probably know this well from his time in Chicago. I mean, Callahan's always been dinged up, so you have to consider his reliability. So. Uh, would not surprise me if they acquire a veteran. Would not surprise me if they prioritize it in the draft. You get Farley and Sertan mocked to them a lot. Uh, we'll see. But um, but yeah, I'm all ears on uh, you know what a uh, you know what the veteran market is looking like because it's something the Broncos should at least explore. Yeah, it's it's not the uh, I wouldn't say it's the most talented cornerback group, but I think there's a lot of depth kind of in that mid tier again. Um, I do think it's a position they should probably address because Bryce, yeah, Bryce Callahan is a really good player, but yeah, just like in Chicago, you probably can't count on him being available for 16 games. Um, and, and look, Vic likes, you know, he, he focuses on the secondary a ton. He obviously kind of believes in the philosophy of kind of viewing the defense as the outside in and, and, and making sure he's sound on the back end. Um, 
So, you know, if you wanted to go big, big name guys, you know, potentially going big and making a splash for a guy like Will Jackson from the Bengals. Um, I think maybe mid-tier market. Um, a guy in the division, Michael Davis from the Chargers would be an interesting name. Um, you know, younger guy, can play both, you know, man and zone. Um, I think he'll probably sign around seven, eight million per year. I don't think he's going to have a huge market, but I do think he'll have a decent market. Um, and, and so a couple guys I think that could really kind of bolster that secondary um, without breaking the bank. Uh, one other position group that the Bronco, Broncos country can kind of they, – they focus on quite a bit as linebacker. I thought Josie Jewell outperformed my expectations last year, and they have him back for another year unless they cut him, and I don't think they would. Um, Alexander Johnson, Nick, you touched on this, and I think this is almost a certainty. They're going to give him an RFA tag, probably in the second second round tag, so he'll probably be back. I'd be surprised if he, if he's not. But linebacker does look like it could be a need. They looked at Patrick Queen last year. They tried to trade up to get him. They tried to sign Joe Schobert at one point before they lost him. Um, what do you think of this linebacker class? Like, I I like the draft more uh, from what I've looked at, but I do know that there's some players in this. But am I what, – what do you think, Brad? Yeah, so just to stick with, you know, the obvious George Payton connection, um, but I think Eric Wilson, who, who was kind of a reserve linebacker for them, but um, was thrust into a starting role last year with a bunch of injuries to their linebacker group. Obviously, George Payton's familiar. Um, I think he's an interesting name to monitor, but I'm with you. It's not the strongest group, um, you know, across the board in free agency. Uh, and also, you know, like you said, it's a pretty strong draft class, so there's potential they could add a guy if they wanted to in the second round, maybe third round, that they could plug and play. Um, but I do think Eric Wilson's worth keeping your eye on. He's good, all, you know. He's not great in any facet of the game, but pretty solid in coverage. Uh, and then needs to work a bit on his run defense. But you know, I think Alexander Johnson is a phenomenal linebacker and would be a good guy for Wilson to play off of. Kind of take running backs out of the backfield, you know, defend tight ends a bit, um, you know, and, and is a solid all-around player. Yeah, and I'd agree that I think the rookie class is is the place to look if they want to expand at linebacker. You know, Johnson and Jewel will be there for 2021, pro probably going to be the starters there. But then both are going to be free agents unrestricted after that. Now, Justin Stranad's in waiting in the wings. We'll see how he comes back from that injury. But even then, that's still one spot. So if you know, they lose if, if there's a risk of losing both Johnson and Jewel, you know, after this year, then that might be something to look ahead for in, in among the rookies that are coming out. One other group that's kind of a it's almost like a sneaky need, I think. Um, and I don't know necessarily how to approach it. Uh, running back, uh, Melvin Gordon, his legal situation means that it, Mike Kliss, uh, Nine News Mike Kliss has already talked about the fact that if Melvin Gordon ends up facing discipline from the league for the DUI in October, uh, back earlier in the season, they will probably go after his guarantees, which means that he could be cut leading up to the draft. And we don't know yet. Like that's just literally just out in the, out in the wind. The timing of it means it's almost definitely not going to be free agency. But the fact is the Broncos end up that even if they keep him, his contract expires after this season, Phil Blinsey. And again, Nick, you touched on this. He'll almost definitely be back on a second round tag this year. But then Royce Freeman is also a free agent after this season. So running back could become a need. I don't know. Does it make sense to chase that in free agency or should they not? Like, what do you guys think? Um, I would I would definitely go with the draft or, undra or undrafted free agency with that. I think it's very similar to linebacker in that they have answers for 2021, but they may not have any answers for 2022. 
And, you know, uh, getting some rookie running backs in also gives them more flexibility should uh, Gordon be suspended, should his guarantees be voided, and for whatever reason they want to move on from him because of that. Yeah, you know, I think in general, I, I agree, you know, the running back market, you know, most off seasons, I'd probably say looking, you know, later rounds of the draft, mid rounds of the draft or undrafted free agency. Um, and in this class, outside of Aaron Jones, I don't think any guy is truly a difference maker. Um, but I guess some potential kind of depth options if, you know, perchance the first couple of weeks they need a guy that can handle the workload. Uh, Mike Davis from Carolina, who was a Chicago Bear with Vic Fangio. Um, in 2019, there's a connection there, and I think he'd be, you know, a ch- relatively cheap deal, you know, two years, maybe $4 million a year, something like that, um, with obviously the lion's share of the guarantees in the first year. And then maybe more, you know, not viewed as a traditional running back, but an interesting kind of cog in an offense. Uh, recently released Duke Johnson uh, of the Texans can maybe kind of come in as that scat back, get some third down work. Um, could also be an interesting name for, again, not, not a substantial investment. Uh, so Juwan James is a hot topic for Denver just because most fan fans treat Juwan James kind of like they treat Bryce Callahan last year because Bryce Callahan missed all of 2019. People kept making jokes that he didn't actually exist, which I, I, first of all, it was a whole thing, but, but people are doing that with Juwan James just because he opted out last year. Um, his contract means that basically the Broncos cannot move him this year. It doesn't make any financial sense to do so. His dead cap hit is higher than the money they would save. So it's just, it doesn't make sense to me. They might do it, but I don't think they're going to do it. That said, Juwan James has played, I want to say, 63 snaps for the Broncos since signing his contract uh, due to injury and then the opt-out. It probably makes sense to have depth at that position that can play immediately. So I don't know if necessarily a rookie makes sense. I do like the idea of drafting a rookie to eventually take over, but I don't know if they want to be able to count on that guy early. Um what do you guys think? Does it make sense to chase a veteran? I know, Nick, you've laid out a budget for a veteran. I don't know if if you're still kind of there on it. Well, I, th- I think the budget I laid out was more for a swing tackle because, I mean, a lot of Broncos fans aren't going to want to hear this, but they're probably stuck with Jawan James for 2021. And I don't even like using the word stuck. I'd, I'd be perfectly fine with giving him a, giving him another year, seeing what he can do since since the since the contract's not going anywhere. Um, but I mean. They need a swing tackle regardless because uh, Wilkinson's a free agent. Dotson's a free agent and was also just a very old emergency uh, option after James opted out. So that at the very least, they need that. But I would also very much look at look at drafting a rookie tackle if um, if the Broncos deem it the right uh, the right uh, usage of, of whatever draft pick uh, they have when they're on the clock at the time. Yeah, it's a, it's a deep tackle class, so there, there's that benefit that they can maybe find a guy, you know, not in the first couple rounds if they have other needs they want to address because it's not a pressing need and they could still add an impact player there. Um, I think there's some, some again, you know, some, some maybe cheaper veterans. I agree. I think swing tackle, kind of a guy that can plug a hole, make the most sense. Um, first thing that comes to mind, which I think makes a lot of sense because he's logged a lot of snaps at both left tackle and last year uh, started at right tackle for the Cardinals is Kelvin Beecham. Um, he actually had a great year last year, um, you know, signed like a veteran minimum contract and had a really good season. Um, but I still think, you know, he's, he's going to be 32 next year. Um, I still think you probably get him for, you know, one year, four or five million. Um, and I agree, could kind of, you don't want him to start, but if he has to, it's, it's, it's not really, you know, a, a dire situation. Well, and one thing too that I like about 
the idea of drafting a guy. And the Broncos did just bring in Tevin Jenkins. I have to throw that out there because I love Tevin Jenkins. I've watched him. Uh, but the because Garrett Bull's contract, the way it was negotiated, uh, his cap hit this year is really low. Like it, it surprised me how low his cap hit is. But next year, his cap hit goes back to what you would expect him to be paid. And Jawan James's contract is a pretty substantial amount. So assuming that the Bron- like assuming that the cap doesn't explode, the Broncos might very well be pushed into having to make a decision on Jawan James next year anyway. So it might make sense to draft a guy with the idea. Give Munchak a year to groom him up. He can learn without having the pressure to play, and then next year he could come in and play. Um, so one last one I, I really got to pick your guys' brains on just because I think this is, you know, again, the hot topic in Denver. Quarterback, obviously, is kind of a, a big thing. Drew Locke is cheap, um, so even if he's not good, he's cheap. Uh, but the Broncos probably want at least a, like some sort of parachute behind him. Um, we've seen a lot of names thrown out. Uh, I know as of the time we're recording this, they have not yet traded for Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to count on the fact that they probably won't in the next couple hours. Uh, but as you look at the market, first of all, what makes sense in terms of like financially, what should they devote to the quarterback position? Because presumably they want Drew Locke to start this year if they go that route, even if they bring in a veteran. So how much should you really pay for that guy? Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, I think the first thing that Broncos fans have to be real themselves about is accepting that in 2020, Drew Locke played below replacement. And thus, they need to be looking for potential replacements. Now, like you said... That does not mean to give up on Drew Locke. He's got a reasonable contract. He's still got plenty of promise, but you have to give, you have to have better competition for him than what they did last year with Jeff, with Jeff Driscoll, which just went nowhere. So I laid out, they need to bring in a much better veteran, be, be willing to spend up to the top of the typical backup quarterback market. That's probably going to be, you know, around 10 million max. I think that's around what Mariota got from from the Raiders last year. And also draft a quarterback or, or sign one an undrafted free agency. You got to keep taking chances at this um, until you've got your answer because Pat Mahomes isn't going anywhere in the AFC West. You've got to think big. You've got to compete with the best if you want to be the best. Yeah, I completely agree. You got The position needs to be addressed over and over again through any avenue of, of talent acquisition. Um, you know, I, I think most likely, and, and the smart move would be to, like Nick said, add you know a, a solid backup veteran. Don't fall for the you know the, the Case Keenum and, and Joe Flacco kind of trap, but potentially add a guy like an Andy Dalton, uh, maybe a guy like a Tyrod Taylor from the again staying in the division. Um, but yeah, guys, or maybe a Jacoby Brissett if you want to go a little bit younger. Um, he might kind of threaten that job and maybe they want to avoid a 
you know, but but I guess they don't maybe they don't want to avoid that either. They've been pretty vocal that they're trying to upgrade the position. So I don't think any of those guys are going to get more than you know they're probably all going to get less than ten million, um, either whether it's a one year flyer or you know a two year, three year, whatever. Um, and then I agree. There's no reason not to not not with their ninth overall pick. Probably. I mean, I guess maybe they try to trade up or maybe if a guy falls to them, they, they do ultimately pounce on that. Um, but there's a lot of names that get thrown around for kind of late year flyers that, that, that a lot of people like. I know Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. I've heard a bunch about uh, Jamie Newman, who, who transferred to Georgia, didn't really play this year. Uh, Davis Mills from from Stanford. There's a bunch of names you've kind of heard. Um, yeah. And there's no reason why they shouldn't continue to address that position, you know, through any means necessary. So last question for you, Brad, because I know you're a Bears fan. What are the odds that Akeem Hicks ends up uh, available somehow or another? Because I do know Chicago is kind of dealing with some cap. Is there any hope? Just in general? Just in general. Like, here's the thing. Like, since Vic Fangio has come to the Broncos, I have dreamed of Hicks joining the Broncos just because I, I love Hicks. Like, I've watched him a lot. Am I just, am I, I'm fooling myself, right? Like I'm, it's not going to happen. I hear you. I hear you. No, you cut out a second. So no, I, I don't think it's crazy. I mean, I, I wouldn't count on it, um, but I know the two love each other. Hicks was very sad to see Fangio go, um, kind of credits him with kind of getting his career, not on track. He was a fine player, but like really taking off to another level and becoming one of the elite interior defensive linemen. Um, and, and the Bears cap situation is not great. Uh, and he's the most obvious trade candidate on the roster, I would say, purely from a financial perspective. Um, you know, they clear about 10, I don't want to say about 10 and a half million they clear and only have one and a half in dead money. Um, so if they feel desperate, they need draft capital or they need clear room. Um, if they maybe, you know, go crazy and get Russell Wilson or do something wild like they're trying to do. Um, I don't think it's insane to think that it's possible. I'm going to keep that. You tell me there's a chance. <laughs> Uh, one thing one thing I think I would add on to that briefly is, and this is, goes beyond Chicago, is that the chatter keeps getting louder and louder that once we know what the salary cap is, there could be a deluge of cuts uh, with a lot of them being really unexpected. I mean, that's the feeling that I get from reading the rumor mill here. So, I mean, there may be some names that we have haven't discussed we may not even thought of that could all of a sudden become available and there's just nothing to do to prepare for it other than just prepare for that general fact uh and then one so nick an unsung fact that anybody listening needs to know is you're actually a broncos fan uh so i have to ask you two questions off of that a little bit you mentioned that the broncos should budget uh, you said that the Broncos should budget $12.281 million for one starting defensive lineman. Do you think if it's Shelby Harris, they should pay that much? Um, they should only I mean they should only pay what they can, you know, get at market rate. The yeah. challenge, the challenge is though, I have no good feel on what Shelby Harris's market rate is going to be. Um, you know, Brad, you had your opinion for PFF and Jason had his own for OTC and they were quite different. And I don't even know, you know, what the 32 teams will think of them. Um, that 12.281 million number, by the way, was just very precise because that's what Jarrell Casey was due yep. last year. So I just figured, you know, that was just in case they wanted to bring him back. Obviously they didn't, but just because I said that number, if they can get well below, you know, that's great. 
And that's just a really rough estimate. But I do believe uh, that the Broncos do need one veteran defensive lineman somewhere, somehow. If it's Shelby Harris, great. I like Shelby Harris. I think he can still be an effective player there. If they want to go another route, that's also fine, you know. But I think you need probably need someone next to Purcell and Draymond Jones to uh, to bolster that line. And then uh, the last question I had for you is, as a Bronco fan, and again, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but is there anything you're hoping they do with that pick? If like if like every avenue realistically is available at nine, what do you hope that they do? Uh, I hope they get a really good player. That's a real general answer. Um, but it's kind of like what I said earlier. You want to put yourself in a position where you're not overdrafting for need. I think we saw how disastrous that ended up in 2016 with Paxton Lynch. I don't think they put themselves in a good position to do anything else other than that. Um, so I want them to be in a position to get a really good player that's going to help turn the franchise towards the positive, whether that's a quarterback, a cornerback, whatever other position, you know, I just, you you just want to get really good players when you're picking as high as number nine, because you don't want to be picking in the top 10 regularly. Right. True. Thank you so much for your time, guys. Uh, If you do not follow them on Twitter, uh, Nick is at Nick Corti, N-I-C-K-K-O-R-T-E. Brad is at P-F-F underscore Brad. I cannot recommend it enough. I learn basically every day from you guys. So thank you so much for your time. I Very good to talk to you, Joe. Yeah, thanks for having us on. And nice to meet you, Nick. You too.